what's going on everybody i'm jay and isaac here as usual and today we're launching uh, a fun little thing that we're doing here on the podcast um a new series uh, that is a part of the podcast we're calling it twitterology essentially we're responding to some of the dumb stuff we hear again and again online and even well-meaning christians kind of retweeting stuff thinking it it is wise or cool or theologically sound but in reality there's some problems yeah and that's easy to do i mean we're not pointing our fingers at anybody the idea behind it really is not just twitter but social media in In general general yeah lends itself to these short 140 280 character little quips um and uh, we try to, you know, people try to jump on and encompass these giant theological ideas that have been wrestled with mm-hmm. and discussed by the most brilliant, brightest minds in human history over the course of many, many generations. Mm-hmm. And we try to whittle it down to a few characters. We put it out there, and it's easy for that sort of stuff to get really misconstrued and mm-hmm. um, to get out there in a way that's frankly irresponsible and like you said a little dumb yeah and we don't want it we're not trying to be nitpicky it's not like you know heresy hunting hour or something like that on the regen podcast it's more of just things that things are said and they almost get adopted and it becomes almost a part of like i'll call it pop culture theology there you go and it's almost you like almost not even challenged but if you were to stop and really reflect on it, you can see there's some problems there. So it's it's not like this is heresy. It's well-meaning Christians kind of reproducing and almost regurgitating some stuff that is kind of just infiltrated into Christian culture and just been accepted. And we want to kind of push back and say, no, actually, there's there's a harm that's being caused by adopting this type of type of thinking. Yeah, when you put ideas out there in these short, bite-sized pieces. There's a lot of extra ingredients that can go into it that make it look attractive. Yeah. So, um, you know, a person who's good with words can say almost anything poetically. And yeah. the mass majority of people, because of the poetry, because of um, the high aesthetic of it linguistically, yeah. you know, love it. Yeah. And, we put it. and then we start retweeting it and liking it without giving it much thought just because it sounds good and mm-hmm. uh, and that's sort of the issue right that we're trying to tackle on these twitterology episodes that we're going to do we want to just pause and take a look at the stuff that actually often sounds really good it sounds good to me too sometimes i'm like yeah wow, that's great like i wish yeah that- we're actually the next episode it's just we're looking over jay kim's tweet history and, <laughs> and just doing all the the bad tweets he's ever made there's a ton that would be dangerous i don't even know and scary um there's a lot of stuff about the golden state warriors though so did you, you know. predict a championship? I didn't, man. They were uh, dark days way back. Those were dark. Times. There were some dark days. <laughs> but these episodes are also going to be different because it won't just be Isaac and I. We'll mm-hmm. have some friends, people, um, not only who are friends, but but voices we respect and uh, voices that we think you should know and get connected yeah. to um, that we'll feature on these episodes. And it's going to be much more casual, um, much more conversational. And uh, so I think it'll be a lot of fun. One of the things I want to talk about just to start off, Isaac, and I'm curious to know sort of your thoughts on this. There's been a lot made recently 
about what um, the, the phrase people use is um, the process of deconversion. And, you know, that word obviously means what it means, you know, uh, many people know, but specific to evangelical Christianity, particularly today in the 21st century, it does mean or describe a very specific process that a um, very specific group of people uh, really champion, and um, it's winning over a lot of people. Uh, there's something, yeah. frankly, there's something like kind of sexy about it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a, you know, the, the analogy to it would be like back in the day when I was in a band, um, you'd be, you'd, you'd be, you start off in the Christian music industry and your band would get popular in the Christian music industry. And then all of a sudden you would go secular type of thing. And so many of the bands did it and were successful and, and faithful and it was a good it was a, a good thing but there were some that then took a tone that was that would like talk crap about their Christian past like oh man I, I can't believe I was part of these crazy evangelical fundamentalists and stuff yes. like that and that's what's happening now and you can see it among authors and speakers the, they'll get famous off of like conservative Christian culture that's where they'll build their fan base mm-hmm. and then they'll look back at it once they've left it and kind of down it mm-hmm. in multiple ways. But the problem is they paint a picture of Christianity and specifically local churches that are doing their best just to to reach people and help people. And they paint a picture of it like they're just crazy sickos. Yeah. And it's cool right now, as you said, to, to hate specifically on uh, evangelicals or conservative Christians or, frankly, Christians who who hold to historic Christian teaching. Yeah. And so you just see them painting a picture like they're just a bunch of crazies. And it's cool. It's easy to hate on. It's easy to kick conservative Christians down right now. Very yeah, easy. it's not just easy. It's um, There's a hip, cool factor to it. Um, like I said, there's sort of a sexiness to it. You, yeah. you It helps you feel like uh, you're on the cutting edge. Um, one of the hard things for me with with talking to folks who are just madly in love with this whole deconversion movement is they wield this weapon. And um, they basically say, because the the people, the voices that are leading the way, every single one of them, it's called deconversion because it's not people who are jumping into the stream of thinking um, from nowhere or from no evangelical or historically orthodox Christian background. They're jumping in from that starting point. Mm -hmm. Like you said, they build their fan base, so to speak, um, from amongst the evangelical Christian crowd. And so what they're able to say, and they wield this as a weapon, they basically say like, hey, dude, been there, done that. So nothing you say as an evangelical Christian, um, as someone who essentially yeah. says you hold to an historically orthodox view of Christianity and the scriptures, there's nothing you can say that I haven't already heard, man. Yeah. And I've moved past you. Or I've moved beyond you. What it makes me think of, it is like the epitome of um, what C.S. Lewis describes when he talks about chronological snobbery. Yeah. This myth that what is new uh, is always better, that what is modern is always smarter mm-hmm. than the past. And Oz Guinness says this really well. We've lost our ability to think backwards, to think historically. Um, and he said it on an interview that you and I did mm-hmm. with him where he basically said, man, in order to be propelled into the future, you have to really, really understand the past. You've got to really embrace 
um, the richness of all that has come before you to get you to where you are. And that's one of the things that really bugs me about the whole deconversionist. Yeah, there's a snobby, snobbery and elitist attitude that takes place. Just like I've I've been enlightened, and maybe one day you'll you'll you'll, you'll catch up to me um, because almost like this is an infantile state uh, that we're in, and then you kind of progress past that. But it really is. It's it's significant progressive voices, progressives in the, the theologically speaking, looking back at conservative theology or what would be labeled more conservative theology and then painting it with like the worst possible picture. And so it'll be like, you'll see something on Twitter and you go, yeah, I technically believe that, but I don't believe it the way you mean it. Or just talking bad about churches. So I'll give you an example. Someone, you know, could say this, this, this would be like on Twitter. It'd be a picture of like a $10 million church building. $10 million church building. Hope the Christians enjoy it while the poor starve to death. Like just complete virtue signaling uh, and is getting retweeted like these selfish Christians and stuff. And then someone else will like tweet back. Yeah. And the building stays empty six days a week while there's needy people in the community. I'm sure there are some churches that have big, nice buildings that um, don't use them to reach hurting people. I'm sure they exist, but I can tell you there are countless churches. I can tell you the, the church building that we have at there's not a day that goes by there's not something going on in there. Uh, Sundays is actually the most calm day. It's like there's so much stuff. I mean, that's, that may be exaggerated, but I mean, there's stuff nonstop. They're scheduling nightmares. Anyone who, who works in a church knows they're scheduling nightmares because right. all the rooms are always being occupied. Something's going on. And there's tons of outreach to the poor, the needy, people volunteering for soup kitchens, making sandwiches, yeah. working at a local homeless shelter. And so... But you know what looks real good on Twitter is the nice church building, and you get to virtue signal. That's a per- that's a perfect example of what the the, the, the deconversion thing. And then someone yeah. looks look post a picture of their old church and be, I can't believe I was I was caught up in the church money making machine that's or something right. like that. It's just like nonsense. It's absolute yeah. nonsense. Yeah, and the social media platform itself fuels this because social media is about speed. And it's about efficiency. It's about quickness. You know, Instagram has blown up the way it has because they're changing now where they're adding on slowly more and more. But when they started, they hit on something that is so true to human nature is that, you know, we're going to tell our stories through photographs, Mm -hmm. through imagery, visual imagery. And, um, you know, one of the beautiful things about that is the fact that pictures um, allow you to ask questions you know, they invite you into sort of, oh, what's happening there? And th- But then it turned into something else. It turned into uh, no longer is it like an invitation into more questions, more conversation. Really, Instagram has become like a quick scroll mm-hmm. platform, right? You see it quickly. You make a judgment call. This person is doing X, Y, Z, or their life is great, and I'm envious, or, wow, what a loser, or whatever, right? Yeah. You scroll through. And... Um, 
And I think social media, for all of its good intentions, almost always devolves at some point, usually very quickly, to that sort of binary way of understanding. You know, it's just the mode of a, a thing like social media, which is about quickness and efficiency yeah. and fast judgment calls. So everything becomes binary. So we look on Twitter and um, the need, the incessant need for, for those who are getting a lot of content out there, particularly, you know, deconversionists who are getting a lot of content out yeah. there. It is built on the need to create a binary way of thinking for people. Yeah. They want you to read their two. 280 you know character tweet and know very clearly and very quickly whose side you're on yeah without nuance yeah it's, and, it's black or white without right. nuance and what they're explicitly telling you is that there are sides and that there are only two sides right yeah. so either you're an evangelical christian who gives all your money to that giant organization that spends 10 million on their building and the building just goes empty except for the big laser light show on Sunday or you're one of us. Yeah. Right? And when it becomes like you said binary, you don't have sort of good and sort of bad. So it's not just right yeah. or wrong. Yes. You have ultimate good and, and ultimate bad yep. or super good or super evil. Yep. Just look what's going on in culture. You disagree on a political position and you're Hitler. Yeah. You're a Nazi. Um, <laughs> and and what ha you make it binary and all of a sudden there's no room for, for nuance or varying degrees of rightness or wrongness. And so our culture becomes binary in their morality. And so you can't even sit down and talk with someone anymore because it'd be like talking with the embodiment of a reincarnated Hitler. It's just, yeah. it's just craziness and we see it everywhere. Yeah. So you nailed it with that binary mode. And the other thing is, this isn't true of everybody. There's tons of, there's so many people putting out wise, awesome tweets. Totally. But tweets, the tweets that get noticed are controversial. Mm -hmm. So you have to almost, they have to be inflammatory in one way. I mean, you're scrolling down a hundred tweets that are all short one sentences. What stands out to you? It's going to be something with some controversy. Yeah. Secondly, um, the people that are doing it, again, not everybody, but it's like, you have to actually believe you have something valuable to say. Right. And I don't know about you, but it's hard for me <laughs> yeah. to think like I'm going to put something out there that I think is going to make the world a better, better place and stuff. Right. So you have some people who are very wise that are doing that gifted by God. Then you have a bunch of people who are wise in their own eyes, but actually foolish. Yeah. And the problem now is, and this is why we're calling it Twitterology. We, and Isaac, you and I, along with Dan Kimball, we talk about this quite a bit here at the Regeneration Project. Social media has evened the playing field in a negative way in terms of how we weight voices. Weight, W-E-I-G-H-T. Yeah, yeah. Right? Now, how do I know when I scroll through the feed who I should trust and who I shouldn't? It's sort of, because of the platforms, actually, it's sort of dictated by, now, it's just sort of dictated by who has the most outrage, who is the loudest, who is the biggest, yep. who has the most retweets. But man, I could go online and come up with just the zaniest, craziest, wildest thing I could think of just for the sake of getting retweets and get it done. Doesn't mean you should trust no, me. It's 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 true. There is I, some you get you get a friend request and it's by someone who you click on the page and it's like some some dude and you look at his tweets and it, all it is is like nonsense, but it's super 
it's inflammatory language, especially against a different political side. Yeah. So let's say this person uh, hates uh, liberals, and it's just all just nonsensical stuff. And you could, yeah. it could be a person who hates um, Trump. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But you look at them, they'll have like, 45,000 followers totally. is like way more than I could uh, get. <laughs> and it's all it is is because they're speaking to their tribe with anger, yep. with faux outrage to the echo chamber, but it looks legit because they have 4, 45,000 followers. Yeah. Or you get Twitter actually being really nice and blue check marking yeah. people that it's like, how do they get a, a blue check mark? <laughs> and this pastor who has 120,000 followers yeah. still doesn't get a blue check mark. Yeah. Uh, but the blue check mark is waiting kind of on, twi- yeah. on Twitter. No, totally. So you, you're, you nailed it again. It's like the voices that get the weight and influence are some of the voices, the last voices you want to be getting your wisdom from. Right. And that's what's really hard is we think about, you know, Regen talking a lot about new generations, younger generations. How do we get them engaged in the beautiful story of the scriptures and theology that so many brilliant men and women over the years have wrestled with to give us this wonderful gift that we're to continue wrestling with now? How do we help new generations do that um, against the immense challenge that has never existed before, which is now the confusion yeah. of so many voices that come across like they are experts based on numbers that really don't yeah. mean they're experts. It just means like, they're loud. It means they're boisterous. And it's it's weird because some of them are experts. Some of them should be trusted, you know, but how do we wade through those waters and know who's who and what's left and what's right and what's up, what's down? It's such a tricky time. Okay, so here's a perfect example. Uh, like Jay said, at the Regeneration Project, we're trying to bring you voices that should be given weight, yeah. that should be massive voices of influence, some of the most brilliant theological minds in the world, okay? We had Oz Guinness. Yep. Brilliant theologian, social critic, genius. commentator, genius, Oxford, next level. Oxford born Oxford and bred. Oxford yeah. born and bred. He has 7,000 total Twitter, <laughs> Twitter followers and uh, isn't blue check marked. Yeah. He's, he's got 7,000. And I'm looking at what his tweets. He doesn't tweet very much. He probably has. Oz. Oz, who what cares about loser. Roz? Uh, Roz Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call you name Roz now Roz, until you hit that 10K. Right. And it's probably because. If he were to ever try to start tweeting, he would know, I can't adequately communicate my idea in this. And so he's not social media cool, but this is one of the world's leading theologians and and Christians. And it is because of his very brilliant mind. It is actually his mind that prevents him from being able to go on Twitter and every day pump out 280 character tweets that get things riled up. Because he... He is, again, if you've ever read Oz Guinness or listened to him, what you understand is his mind is like off the charts, right? Yeah. Off the charts, like 25% of the time, yeah. maybe we're sort of understanding, yeah, yeah. you know? He's, he's a futurist. I mean, it's just like insane. And that's the very thing. For, for that very same reasons, one, we should be listening to him. And for that same very reason, that very same reason, two, he's not a Twitter megastar. No. Yeah, and 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 he, and he probably he'll never be. He'll never be. Yeah, because to understand Oz Guinness and to receive the gift that he is to us, you have to put your phone down 
and um, set aside a few hours a day for a week or two. Exactly. And read. You got to do the work. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll just get caught retweeting this this nonsense. Now, with all that crap, we just talked about it. You know, you could follow J. Kim and Isaac Serrano on Twitter. The uh, link to our Twitter handle, our Instagrams in the... Uh, my actual Twitter is private. It's blocked. I should probably open it now. J. Kim wants some more followers for sure. You should open your Twitter. I can't retweet you or anything. It's kind of yeah. weird. I, I'm afraid of people. I don't like people knowing me. Well, Isaac, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to these episodes. Yeah. Um, we've got more episodes coming. Uh, our first series of Twitterology episodes, we're actually going to have our good friends Chris Nye yeah. and Liz Diddy joining us for some conversations about topics that um, we see out there that we're just going to unpack and uh, dig into. So thanks for listening. Um, keep listening, and we'll uh, talk to you all very, very soon.